0: Welcome to Hit The Six. Uh, it's another weekend. Uh, it's another week without cricket but for the first time there is real life at the end of the tunnel. England announcing they've got three test matches to happen against the West Indies uh, in July. Um, go on Michael quickly, what, what do you make of that?
1: Uh, you know I'm excited to watch the cricket and as long as they can do it safely then that's fine and fair play to the West Indies for coming over which I think is really impressive of them. They didn't need to do it. I guess they need to do it for the money side of it, but I can see why their players would be worried about coming here. Um, so no, I'm really grateful to them. And I saw a few of their parties dropped out, didn't they? Dwayne Bravo, uh, Darren Bravo, one of the Bra- Bravos. Yeah, Darren Bravo. Um, Hickmeyer, the batsman, and I can't remember the other one. So it's, that's a shame, but I guess understandable. But yeah, I'm really excited to actually watch some cricket. How it's
0: right going to be, be fantastic. And... Um, it could be a really good series, a really interesting series, and hopefully, with not too much sport going on, although the Premier League will have returned, but rugby will have returned, it'll, it'll be um, an oasis and a fairly empty calendar, and so hopefully, we'll gain a decent amount of traction, BBC saying they're going to be showing highlights of all tests and ODIs on telly in the evenings this summer. You just think maybe, lockdown, with not much sport going on, cricket might get a little bit more time in the limelight, which would be fantastic. Uh, but, Today, we will just continue discussing our England eleven while we wait for the real England eleven to take to the field. Um, we've picked our batting lineup. we've picked our wicket-keeper, uh, now into the bowlers, and it's a spinner. And so to select our spinner, we've got, I think, the best spinner we've ever played with, Michael. I, I certainly can say, speaking for myself, that's the case. Mr Rob Kraus, great to <laughs> Hello. have you. There, how, how are you?
2: Thank you very much. Uh, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I think... Um, The fact I'm the best spinner you've ever played with is slightly worrying. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some very angry listeners uh, based on that criteria, but that's fine. Um, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's been a very strange sort of few months, Uh, as you say. Time has sort of merged into this never-ending blob, but delighted (laughs) that we've got some cricket coming back in uh, July. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. I think the West Indies are going to be a decent proposition. I think they're getting steadily better aren't they um, i think it's a real shame that hetme is not coming because i think he's a very exciting batsman but he is exciting but um, no i'm just delighted that life is inching towards normality
1: jeffrey boycott will not be commentating or at least not regularly how do we feel yeah. about it me and rob were chatting yesterday because there was some funny was some funny stuff on twitter about boycott complaining about being canned or sort of yeah. subtly yeah. complaining about being canned
2: what do I do we think you're about referring to the culture. fact
1: that
2: he said that white heterosexual men can't have a career at the BBC.
1: It was right leaning white men in Cricket. Yeah. You don't you know, say. I've literally never met one of those <laughs> at, you know, University Career Club or any of my other career clubs.
2: Um, I think he might have uh, got the wrong end of the stick there, Jeff. I, I, I do. I think Boycott, unfortunately, is from a slightly different era. And uh, I don't think I'm going to miss him that much, I have to be honest.
0: Oh, thing, I'm, I'm going to miss him massively. I think he's a great pundit. I mean, he, I mean Michael, Michael, I think, summed it up right well, didn't he? He said, great pundit, slightly questionable bloke. <laughs> I mean, that, that probably captures it nicely. Uh, I, I'll definitely yeah. miss him, because it's, it's nice when England are doing badly to then have him just kind of pile in on the team. Um, and with Bob Willis, of course, dying, and so no, no longer being able to do his, the verdict, where he will rip England's top order a new one as well.
1: I, I quite like, like um, Alistair Cook to just like, really embrace his inner Jeffrey and just start absolutely slagging off his old teammates when we're <laughs> at 50 for three. And it's but, just like, well, that's terrible, isn't it? What was not it whats that? Yeah, I, I, that. Think, I think that's what it's all about. I think when we don't have a
0: pundit or pundits who are willing to just pile in on the team at every opportunity... It, it's not the same. And I know that obviously the players hate that, and I can understand that because it's their livelihoods and their careers and their reputations being dragged through the mud just for ratings. But that's what you sign up to if you want to be an international sportsman. And so I think we need that. Uh, we need someone to step up to that, the boycott of Willis's mantle, and just rip into the team the moment they do anything even slightly wrong.
1: Yeah, might. we need someone to poke the Johnny Bersos with a stick. Yeah,
0: well, of course, I mean, of course, Boycott never would, because he's so close to the best. Though. He was always gave him a complete free pass, which used to do my head in. But, um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. It'll be, I mean, I don't think it will be that weird without him. And commentators come and go all the time. And he's not, he's not that intrinsic to TMS. But uh, I'll, I'll miss him. I'm sad to see him retire.
1: I'm really excited, though, for the new highlight show on the BBC. I'm, that is one thing I will say about lockdown. I think, like, the rate they're pushing sport back, particularly football, Seems quite questionable to me. But then I am also going to enjoy the fact that there's going to be a load of free-to-air sport on, on Amazon, on BBC, whatever, because they've just got to get all of this stuff on the TV screens because there's not going to be an audience. So for that, I'm appreciative, especially if someone doesn't have Sky Sports. Yeah, so it likewise. Nice. It,
0: it's going to be great. But anyway, we digress. Let's get on with our selection. So just a reminder to all those listeners uh, who you may have missed a couple of episodes, our team thus far is Alistair Cook and Marcus Triscothic opening the batting. Michael Vaughan at three. Kevin Peterson at four. Michael Vaughan, captain, by the way. And um, Kevin Peterson at four. Joe Roos at five. And Ben Stokes at six. With Alex Stewart at seven as our wicketkeeper. And instead of them doing eight, nine, ten, eleven, slightly artificially like that, we thought what we'd do is we'll pick our bowling attack. We're going to do our spinner today. And then we're going to have our bumper episode next week where we pick our seam attack all together. And so the question is really, yeah, who's our spinner going to be? And Well, maybe to start with, are we tempted by going with two spinners? Or are we going to stick to just the one? What do we reckon?
2: I, I would I would tend to lead to one. I think um, in England you typically only really need one if it's a good spinner. And uh, I'm just looking at that at that lineup as well. And You've also got you've got Joe Root as your sort of second spinner, golden yeah, arm definitely. golden arm root. So I'm not sure a second spinner is needed if this, if I was captaining this this particular team.
0: Yeah. I agree
1: with that and um, yeah we want this team to dominate all over the world not just England but I think Joe Roots bowling is actually maybe his bassy has gone a bit on the wane test wise the last couple of years but I think his bowling has got better so and we've also got um, KP you know brilliant brilliant wicket Adelaide uh, is my main memory of him bowling but you know he can bowl a couple of overs K- KP
0: was um, an awkward bowler to face he's so tall
1: that's the really, thing. Yeah, a
0: good spinner. Like he was actually okay, and Michael Vaughan even bowled yeah. a few little, a few little tweakers as well. Clean section, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I well remembered. So we've we've got a good options. A number of part-time off spinners ready to step in as the second spinner. Yeah.
1: So I'm. Um. I've got a name. I'm going to chuck into the spinner discussion. If we're saying we're just going to have one spinner, uh, I don't think he's going to surprise Rob that I'm chucking this name in so early. And he probably won't make our eventual team. But I think if he was nurtured better as a talent, he could have. Um, and it's Adil Rashid. Oh, my word.
0: Interesting.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I'm not Ach- obsessed with the man. <laughs> Adil Rashid has become a key part of our limited oversight because he's been captained well, he's been managed well. He was never, ever going to be a spinner who could keep an end completely tight, but he is an attacking, aggressive spinner. And I also think he could have been picked for some tours that would have suited him much better. For example, you probably wouldn't make our team right now because it's for all over the world. But I didn't understand why he didn't get picked for that Ashes tour, which Mason Crane did. When Rashid's bowling suits Australia, he suits faster, bouncier pitches. Because on our pitch, he's just a bit too slow. So yeah, Adam Rashid is the name I'm chucking in there. He can also bat. He's a very good first-class batsman. So yeah, that's the name I'm going to put in. Well, Cor- Kraus,
0: as a leg spinner, what do you make of Adam Rashid?
2: I'm a slightly unusual leg spinner because I basically bowl off spin but with a leg spinner's action so I, I tend to prefer someone who can land six balls in a row where he's aiming uh, which I'm not <laughs> sure that that's something Adil Rashid can do. Uh, I do absolutely love Adil Rashid as a, as a white ball bowler I think that his variations are excellent his googly is also very good and he just plays a really important role in that team but I'm just not convinced he's a guy who can land six balls in a row where he means to land them and I think you can get away with that in T20 and ODI because you know the the rank full tosses occasionally get you wickets you can set the feels for it but in a test match where you need someone to really sort of drive the attack and you know win games on the last day I'm not sure he does it that often the only time I can think of him making a sort of material difference to a test match is when he bowled that absolute wonder ball. Uh, against India a couple of summers ago, when India oh, was, that was outrageous. They were plodding along and getting building a really massive partnership, and uh, he just absolutely ragged one from about three foot outside leg stump, past the right hander, and top of off. And that was the only time I can remember him making a difference. Uh,
1: in a test his match. test debut, I, I remember he got pumped in the first innings against Pakistan away, and then he ripped through them in the second innings, and we only got denied a win by the light. I think.
0: Yeah, I remember that. I remember that, definitely. That, that, that was a really good performance. I mean, i just got his stats up here. At first, I thought, well, maybe Michael's on something. Seeing his average was 19.28. But then I realised that was his batting average. And his pulling <laughs> average is, is only just shy of 40. So... Like, but interestingly, and um, five four wicket hauls and two five wicket hauls. So he has, on occasion, you know taken wickets and a glass of wickets. And he's, he's actually his, his economy is only well, it's 3.75, which isn't fantastic for Test cricket. But he's taken you know 60 wickets and an average of yeah 40. I mean, it's he's, he's, in my head, his his record is worse than that. But if, so we're, I... if we're going for like England's best spinner of the last 20 years, and the fact that we've spent. Honestly, five minutes talking about Adil Rashid is, is baffling.
1: So I think all I would say is, if we were picking a second spinner, he would absolutely be my pick. Because the thing that Rashid does really well, and actually England haven't done well for ever, that I can remember while watching them, is he cleans up tails. And that's what leg spinners do particularly well, unless you're bowling darts like Krause. But he does clean up tails. His nickname at Yorkshire is the Hoover. And I think that's what he did in that Pakistan game. Um, so he was actually If we are having a second spinner He'd be my pick But I think you're right He doesn't have the control necessary To be your sole spinner In a bowling attack But you know what I have managed to get us to talk about Adriel Rashid for about seven minutes In this discussion So I think I'll take that as a win And uh, let you guys so let's, Let you guys chuck another name into the mix
2: Can, I, can I just make a final, a final comment? Because obviously I know that you guys have, um, You've also based some of your selection processes On, on moments and feel which played a key, a key part in the wicketkeeper discussion. I would just like to say that my, my comment on feel for Adil Rashid is that he is a man who turned down Red Bull cricket at a domestic level, and that always makes me slightly dubious about whether he should be in the test team.
1: Oh, that's an interesting discussion, isn't it? I'm not sure if we can go into it here, but I... <laughs> You've you, you touched
0: a nerve there, Crass. <laughs> Michael no. is, a, is a, a fierce advocate of analog machine. He was apparently hounded out by a horrible oh. dressing room and a big board. A he didn't like him. I yeah. would just say Andrew Dale
1: was a bit of a burke, and I think he is the, probably the main reason Machine didn't take a Red Bull contract. <laughs> that year, but yeah, we digress. Fair enough. I'm, 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 I'm big enough. I'm mature enough to accept that Rashid won't make it into this team, but I love him. Fair
2: enough.
0: On more, uh, if we're staying on the more recent spinners, before we start looking back at, at players who have come and gone, of course, the person who's been England's main spinner primarily over the last what, six, seven years, six years certainly, is Marine Alley. What do you reckon yeah. about him? Then he for a shout for this for this selection?
2: Um, I think that. To be fair to Moeen, he's, he's been around a while. He's always, he's always sort of mucked in. He's always done his job for the team. I think he's a great player across the three formats. I think he had a really, you know, particularly ODI stuff. He was, he's a very valuable player. I think Test has always been a slightly fiddly one for Moeen because it's, very, it's always been very difficult to figure out what he does. I mean, he obviously came in as a sort of part-time off-spinner who bats. Uh, and then he got sort of bumped all around the order. I think he opened a few series. He's batted at three uh, and his batting is sort of really varied in form. And then he became a full-time spinner uh, who bats a bit. And he's obviously, he, he's a better bowler now than he was when he started his career. But I think fundamentally he, he's never developed as an off spinner. He was never sort of progressed as an off spinner in his mind. And um I don't think the numbers really back him up. I think that fair play to him. He's, he's made the most out of his talent. Um, but, you know, I think his figures he's got an average of 36, which isn't fantastic for a guy who's got as many wickets as he does and has played in places around the world. So I think he's a good player, very talented, but I'm not sure he's my leading man.
1: See, I, that's interesting, right? Because when you said he's made the most of his talent, I feel like he hasn't. Like, I feel with Murray and Ali, particularly in Test, there's so much more to give. But for whatever reason, maybe, like you said, because he's been bumped up and down the order, he's batted in almost every single position, and he never really copes well with the expectation when he's a spit, when he's the sole spinner, that I feel like we haven't seen the best of Murray Nally and Tess yet. And I'm hoping he might still, you know, because he talked just before lockdown about um, how he wanted to come back to Tess cricket, then um, he wanted to end his self-imposed exile. So I'm hoping we might yet still see the best of him. But in the big, big situations, particularly Ashes, his bowling hasn't really stood up. but. And so for that reason, I probably agree with you that he really wouldn't be my pick for for this team. But I think he's really talented. I think there's a lot more to come and hopefully we do see it. And he does sometimes see, if, it's weird, he feels more, he does better when there's other spinners around him and the pressure is maybe less on him. But I guess you, in this situation, you really want to have a spinner who is confident of bowling out the oppo on day five, you know, without any other spinners backing him up. And that's probably not Maureen.
0: And looking at this, sh- I think looking at his, his bowling stats, they're not they're not awful. For a man who went into cricket as a as a top order batsman who bowls a bit of off spin, to take just shy of two hundred test wickets, you know, mm. a decent glut of five wicket hauls, a lot of four wicket hauls, eleven in total in tests. You know, I, I he has really been England's main spinner for a decent while and he's done fine. He's done better than I thought he's he would was, certainly.
2: But yeah, but, I know, I, when I say he hasn't made the most of the talent, I think that I more mean from a bowl from a uh, when I say has made the most of the time, I mean from a bowling aspect. I think the fact that he came in as a batsman and has managed to sort of forge this credible career as an off spinner is it is testament to his hard work. And I do appreciate the fact that he has reliably done every job that England have asked him. But um yeah, I think that he's probably just just short of being considered a world class off spinner. I think, as you say, Michael, I don't I don't trust him to bowl out teams on the on the fifth day. No. I do trust him to do a job, um, but I I'm just not sure he's ever going to tear up the the world stage.
1: His economy is not amazing either, three point six two, and he can sometimes feel quite expensive when he's not on it. He sometimes gets he goes for pretty cheap runs. So he doesn't, he also, I think he's also the best at holding up an end either. Like he's more of an attacking off spinner, but then when he's not on form, he feels like he's not got a threat and he's leaking runs. Um, all I would say though is if we pick Murray Daly in the team, after what we've already picked, I mean, if we got rolled over for a low score, they, they would have to have a long, hard look at themselves because <laughs> it would be a seriously strong batting lineup.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it would be. And I, But I do think selecting him and looking at the team, but he would quite quickly be like, oh, that's a weak link. This, this England team, a good, great batting side. We imagine we have good seamers. Oh, spinners, they could have a better spinner. Uh, and so, yeah, he's, 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 just, he's just not of the same calibre as the other players we've picked so far. And so, yeah, I think our hunt for our spinner will go elsewhere. Listen, given we're on the, we're on the theme so far, the two spinners we've suggested thus far are both British-Asian players. How about everyone's favourite British-Asian cricketer,
1: Monty Panesar. What do we, What do we think about him? He'd probably come Literally. up with a podcast wouldn't he? just realised that. Like, by following Monty's social media, I don't think there's much he says no to anymore. So,
0: well, we and We've, we've met him. And He's life. my Facebook profile picture for a long time. Kraus, did mad. he go to your school?
2: He did go to my school, yeah. Bedford Modern. So Alistair Cook went to Bedford and Monty Panassar went to Bedford Modern. So I imagine they had some good good clashes over the years. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, we all met him, didn't we? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> And and it was interesting, so we all went to, we all part of the same cricket club at uni and every year we have a big party, cricket ball, where you normally get a former cricketer to come and speak and answer questions and it's brilliant. We've had Simon Jones, Matthew Hoggard, Paul Nixon Um, and who are we due to have that year? Was it Ryan Sidebottom? I think it was Ryan Sidebottom, he dropped out last minute and so Monty Panesar, you know, very nicely filled the gap. Kraus, how did you uh, find that evening?
2: (laughs) It was an interesting evening. Uh, I have to say that having been absolutely ecstatic that Monty was the speaker of choice, I I, I said I s- suppose that maybe wasn't his format of strength. He uh, it wasn't his strong suit. Let's just say that I felt a bit sorry for him. But um, yeah, he just didn't
1: seem particularly happy to be there.
2: No, he made a couple of very odd comments, which uh, were slightly pointed. So yeah, it was a slightly strange evening, but also and just a great evening for anecdotes about some of his behaviour.
1: And yeah, it's true. We got a lot more out of talking about Monty's behaviour that evening rather than taking any anecdotes from Monty about his time in England Setup up. Yeah. Mainly because every single question we asked was sort of somehow, really impressively actually, we'd ask a question about his favourite test performance and it would instantly be diverted back to but I should be in the team. Yeah. You know, get me the team, get me the call-up. Um... Either
0: that or his, his, what was planned to be his appearance on Dancing on Ice that then oh, got yeah. curtailed because I think he broke his ankle. But every question was either diverted to I should be England's current spinner despite the fact I haven't taken any wickets for, or really played any first-class cricket for 18 months or somehow linked to I'm going to be on Dancing on Ice and I'm going to win. Yeah, and take a
1: selfie video of me quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was it was, it was was a real night of Don't Meet Your
1: Heroes, I think. <laughs> yeah. It was. I mean, I'd read Monty's book. I loved it back when I was like 12, 13, whatever. Um, and I, I somehow found myself sitting next to Monty at the bar. It was just me and him. We were sharing a drink. And I was like, um, oh, Monty, I loved your book. He went, yeah, I didn't write it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And I was like, oh. I think right.
2: my, my favourite <laughs> part of the night was when, Sorry to go into lots of detail about our our cricket evening here. But he when he was sat next to Nish, and Nish was uh, another friend of ours, was trying to talk to him about various things. And he said, what's your sort of favourite meal? And Monty said something. I can't remember what the meal was, like beef Wellington or something like that. And that was on the menu for that night. And then Monty's meal arrived, and it wasn't the beef Wellington. And Nish turned to him and said, I thought you'd order the beef Wellington. You said it was your favourite. And Monty goes, I don't eat beef. And it is just the most bizarre thing ever. You just wonder <laughs> why, why did you say it was your favourite meal if you can't eat it? Uh, <laughs> um, extraordinary. Anyway,
1: um, bit, yeah. so on the strength of that evening, is he getting into our side as a you know <laughs> guys have around the room? As moments <laughs> and memories go, I mean, it's up there. there was yeah. a pretty,
0: I'll never forget that night. But I think if we kind of move away from the slightly odds, and he's actually shaking aside, like kind of his his demise sounds harsh, but what's happened to him over the last seven, eight years is really sad. Yeah. As the breakup of his marriage, that like the Brighton bouncer incident where he urinated on that bouncer, oh, dear. that kind of thing—it's it all—it's all—it's really sad because he was for a period of time a great English cricketer. He was so enthusiastic about his cricket, played with a smile on his face. I think he—he he battled, you know, because he was—he. A bit of a cult figure, but he was always one of those where we're laughing at him rather than laughing with him. And I think he, he actually handled that really well in terms of just cracking on, playing his cricket, improving. And his record is, is better than the spinners we've spoken about so far. Had, didn't take quite as many wickets as Moan Alley. Um, 167 compared to 181, but has played fewer tests. has a better average, a much better economy. He had 12 five-wicket hauls, he won England some games. I think he did brilliantly, brilliantly for England really under sometimes some difficult circumstances and I don't think he was always dealt the, the kindest hand and so I, I've got a huge amount of time for Monty and I, I do think it's, it's sad that you know, wasn't he doing recently in lockdown doing like a workout exercise when he's doing squats with a chair on his back Yeah, and he's kind of a, a parody of himself and at one point he was a, an excellent England cricketer and, and a well respected one
2: Yeah, also, I, would, I, would, I would go as far as to say that for a couple of years, sort of 2000 six down seven he was probably the best if not in the top couple of best spinners in the world he was a very good bowler at one point
1: no he was he was a brilliant bowler obviously terrible fielder not terrible <laughs> batter but i think for me the stark contrast and the sad thing is like having read his book which he didn't read which he didn't write <laughs> but um anyway i enjoyed whoever the ghost wrote it but it, it talks about how um the england team were very respectful of the fact he didn't drink and that he'd have a couple of cokes because of his religion, and he'd have a couple of cokes while they were, you know, popping the champagne. And then you could contrast that with the drunk Monty with the bouncers in Brighton. And it's just such a rapid fall, and it is sad. But no, bowling-wise, he's a wonderful bowler. And also quite an aggressive spinner, quite an attacking spinner, which I like. Like, you would back him to really get into a side on day five. But then I also think, in terms of, like, thinking cricketing for this team he would be a huge weak link in the field and he'd be an absolute guaranteed number 11. So not a straightforward pick for us.
2: Although going back to the moments criteria, you, nobody can forget his, his Cardiff 09 knock. So, you know.
1: Oh yeah, true. As true. long as you, you need team to hear him right? up
2: with Paul Collingwood. Uh, he can, he oh, can well, block we missed out, out on
1: Paul Collingwood because we didn't chuck him in as a rogue wicketkeeper. So. so he
2: can be the coach then because, you know, Monty needs him. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. So, um, <laughs> and but the I remember Monty once
1: switch hitting Moorley for six. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you sure it was a switch hit? Because in my head, it's a switch hit. But I think I looked at it, and it was just a regular slog sweep. Uh, well, six. look, the point stands. It was Moorley, who was like, <laughs> in that series, ran through
0: England, like, repeatedly. The best spinner, basically, going at that time. One of the best bowlers of all time. The most test wickets anyone's ever got. And Monty Panastar, who cannot bat... Just absolutely hammered him for six out of nowhere. And so we're talking about moments. That's a real moment that cap captures my my mind and heart. And I think as a player, he he, he did for me. I remember it with his first test wicket it was Tendulkar. And,
1: yeah. and, nice.
0: and an enthusiasm for the game, just a, a love for it. I, if, if like if my, my heart, if I picked as a team solely on players I really liked and warm to. Monty would be my
1: spinner. If we hadn't had that evening with him, I'd be so on your side, but I just can't get out of my head. You know, he was absolutely the spinner I loved. And I was just like, oh, I don't understand why no counties are giving him a go. I don't understand why England are giving him a go. And then I met him. Um, but the thing about <laughs> yeah. that moments, that, that actually really does blind your memory, doesn't it? Because for me, Monty could bat a bit because I think about Cardiff. I think about him switching to And then I'm looking at the cold, hard, quick info page, average 4.88 from 50 matches. And it's Good. like, oh, wow. <laughs> that is, um, what was the name of the uh, New Zealand number 11? The uh one who Chris really caught Martin. Cut Chris Martin. That's Chris Martin level statistics.
2: Yeah.
1: Right, so we've done Monty. Um I suppose we've got to get to the main candidate. I don't really like him, but personally, I, I was really forward to his book and then I didn't enjoy his book. And again, we know that's a really strong <laughs> indicator in this podcast. But also... Well, why didn't like his him? book? I don't know he came I think to be honest he came came across as he comes across on TMS as a bit questionable and not someone I really like um, and a bit full of himself and I've also heard stories about his days of Strictly Come Dancing that really didn't make him sound like a great guy but he has been our best spinner probably of the last 20 years incredible record 255 wickets at 29.96 and obviously we're talking about Graham Swan so you two go on then pile in
0: yeah, look, he's comfortably the best spinner England have had in, in my lifetime, probably, I mean, for, for a good long time since probably Derek Underwood, which is a long time ago. England have had a lot of okay spinners, some quite good spinners, but he was the one we're talking about. You want someone who is confident to bowl a team out on the final day of a test match. That's him who could hold up an end on a, on a pitch that's not spinning. That's him. He was, we talk about why were England so good in that sort of Andy Flower era where they got to number one in the world, where you think of what did that team have that other England teams before and since haven't had. And that's probably the one more than any other, which is a top, top quality spinner, like a real world-class spinner. And so on pure cricketing terms alone, he's head and shoulders above everyone else in the... In the list and, you know, kind of rethink. We've tried our best to replace him since he's retired. Moeen's done pretty well, I'd say. But then there's all those other spinners like Borthwick and Mason Crane and Treadwell and more recently Jack Leach, Don Bass.
1: Zafran Sarri.
0: Zafran so All <laughs> these Gareth Batty got to run out again because we haven't been able to replace and find a really great spinner since Swan because he, he was just so much better than, than anyone else we've had for quite a while also, so he's I, I think this is a real, to be honest I know we've discussed at length other people but for me this is a close
1: case it has to be him also he could bat and he was a very good slip fielder it just cricketing sense it just makes sense what do you think Klaus?
2: yeah I, I have to admit I'm, I'm with Rob on this one I think when you look at Swan's record I think he Averaged under under thirty with the ball, I think he averaged twenty nine. Obviously, was just a very exciting bowler, you know. For an off spinner, he turned it absolutely miles. Had loads of really good flight and dip. Um, yeah, great batsman. Came in at eight and nine, averaged twenty two. Him and Broad uh, in the sort of late noughties were just such a great batting pair. Uh, coming in at eight and nine, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, they would quite regularly put on fifty partnerships. And when your tail is wagging, that's obviously the sign of quite a good team. And yeah, as you say, another really good fielder, uh, fielded a second slip for a lot of his career. I think to go back to what Rob said, for me, Swan is absolutely symbolic of that Andy Flower period where we were the best team in the world. I think that without Swan, we might have never won, won games down in India the way we did. Obviously, we had Alistair Cook churning our runs as well, but I think Swan was just an absolutely integral part of that team. And even though he might be a you know, his sort of slapstick comedy. In your face style, it might have sl- grated slightly. I think when he was playing, he was just a real breath of fresh air, and he was just a really f- fun guy. You know, I think I think about them doing the sprinkler on yeah. the outfield at the end of the Ashes. I think that was just an iconic time to be an England fan. I do have a soft spot for Swan for creating that culture.
1: I was absolutely loving it. The days of the sprinkler. I really enjoyed his Ashes tour diary when on, on that free one yeah. that win away. And the thing was, for me, I was really disappointed when I realised I didn't like him because I had really loved him and I thought, like you, a breath of fresh air and it seemed like a really fun dressing room. But then as stuff emerges after the success and the fractures and stuff with Peterson and Trotz also talked about not really feeling welcome in that team. And I think Swan might have been quite a big part of that. I mean, you might have actually been quite a divisive figure in that dressing room. Um, Yeah, I, I think definitely. And
0: it's interesting because he first got his first game for England was very early on, in the early 2000s. And then he was out of the England team for a long time because he was seen to be cocky, <laughs> arrogant, basically had an attitude problem. And even though he then became more professional in his application to his cricket, that kind of cocky attitude, arrogant attitude, maybe is inbuilt to his personality. And so perhaps that's why he is, is how he is and was what, what was like he was
1: my more serious, I mean, I agree with you, like, cricketing-wise, it makes sense. He's got to be in this team. But my more serious allegation against Swan, rather than him being a bit of a burke, is the way he left. It's the way he left Test cricket. And for me, that was pretty pathetic, actually. We were getting hammered in Australia. His elbow had gone. Fair enough. You know, he wasn't the same force he was. And watching Shane Watson skip down the track and ping you for consecutive sixes must be pretty galling. But, but, you don't just leave the tour the way he did holding a press conference halfway through saying, yeah, I'm done, retiring. If that was the case, if his elbow was gone, he couldn't do it anymore at the highest level and he knew that, that's fine. But then just sit on the sidelines for the rest of the tour. Let whoever the other spinner was, was it Monty? Um, let Monty play three games, say Swan's been rested, dropped, injured, whatever you want to say. Just do it in a less conspicuous way than the way he did, which just threw that awful tour even more into chaos. Yeah, don't just leave halfway through. I think, yeah, that the says character, a lot about really. his character for me. That says a lot yeah. about what he actually was like underneath the slapstick. Oh, I'm fine on Graham Swan. That for me left a really nasty taste.
2: I do agree with you that that is a, a stain on his character, and I think that that will always be something that uh, he will regret. But the, the my understanding of that, that particular incident was that he went as soon as he went to flower and you know flower has a reputation for being a pretty harsh guy not the most emotionally in tune guy as well and i think apparently when he said to flower i can't play the last game I, my elbow is completely gone apparently flower was just like i'm booking you on the next flight home and swan was just like i don't mind carrying drinks for the next game and flower was like i don't want if he's like if you're not going to play i don't want you here
1: if and that's the that's case apparently yeah. apparently that's
2: what triggered him then being like well, okay well i retire then
1: yeah, well, that's well, they clearly didn't get on, did they? I mean, it's kind of incredible actually that he was able to flourish so much in such a under such a strict coach. Because, like yeah. in his career, Duncan Fletcher just jettisoned him, didn't he? Like you messed around, and Duncan Fletcher was like, "You're gone." So actually, it's incredible they managed to him and Flower managed to have such a, a successful think- working relationship. I guess.
2: I think I guess that's the theme of that entire period, isn't it? I mean, you had so many. A toxic dynamics going on in that entire squad and the fact they got to number one is just it's just incredible it's a bit like what uh, Rob was saying the other day about the Owen Morgan culture and Alex Hales and stuff I think that 2009 to 2013 team is just probably a testament to their working relationships and their professional professionalism yeah, yeah. and the fact that they got to number one whilst seemingly hating each other
1: yeah no true
0: I, th- I think it's something that should be expected more to be honest I I think that you're there to play cricket, not become best friends. And I think one of the hard things with cricket is you go around the world together, you spend hours in hotel rooms and I mean you see it with the the test, the Amazon Prime special oh, on Australia. You spend you spend a lot of time together, like doing things. And so it must be hard when you don't get on, particularly in cricket. But I think at the same time there should be a base expectation that you're there to play cricket and perform for your country and do a job, not to become best mates. And I can see why, particularly when your coach is as toxic as he is, which Andy Flower seemed to be, why that did, for England, it did really all start to unravel in the end, sort of 2013, 2014. But, you know, I I wonder sometimes whether we kind of think, oh, it must be hard when they didn't get on well. Well, like, you're getting paid good money. That's your job. And many people around the world have colleagues they don't particularly like, but it doesn't stop them doing well. (laughs) And so I think sometimes we hold, we team dynamics can be kind of, Put too much emphasis and onus is put on them. But may, may, maybe that's just me. I, I don't know. I, I always wonder if you should just be able to kind of crack on and play well, even if you hate the guy you're batting with or, or, or bowling with.
2: What I would say is that I think that in this team, and the, the force of characters you have in there already, I think, I think Swan would be kept in check uh, coming in at number eight. I think, I think you'd be captained well by people like Stuart and Vaughan.
0: Yeah, this is why I'm a, big, I'm a big Alex. I guess for Alex Stewart, it's Chris, so he's just come from a different, different era. He's a bit older, different perspective. Doesn't have a history with a lot of these players in the same way some of them do. For that team dynamic, I think he's a great antidote, really. A good, good balancing factor. So I'm very happy with, with his selection.
1: I mean, that's also partly why we picked Vaughan, isn't it? Because we thought that Vaughan, as captain, might be able to better massage the egos of people like Peace and Swan, all of these different firebrands in the same team. So yeah, I mean, hopefully putting Swan on this team won't upset that. So if we're, we're not going to go Swan, which it sounds
0: like we are, the only, the only other two players really I think have any shout. One is a very recent one, and one is probably yeah an earlier two thousand spinner. The, the early two thousand spinner being Ashley Giles. Yeah, what do we think about him? Does he get? Is he worth a, worth a mention in this? Could he be selected?
2: I worry that Ashley is falls into the category of player who would only be selected for for 2005 which is maybe a bit harsh on him because he did have a a decent career but I I think Ash Jars is one of those guys who we look back very fondly on because of the role he played 15 years ago but I think that if you look at his stats and he just he wasn't amazing I think he was a very very defensive slow left armor who just lobbed it outside leg stump and tied down an end but um, I don't think he's a guy who's going to win you a lot of cricket matches to be honest
1: no,
0: 100% the bowling average is 40 wow I, I mean that that is awful I'm going to be absolutely <laughs> honest like, I, he's, he's, he's revered and held in people's minds as like a decent England spinner. But you cannot be deemed like a successful international bowler if your bowling average is over 14. I, think, that's it,
1: I think he was a decent England spinner in that he could hold down an end, like Rob said, 2.86 average, 2.86 economy, not average, that'd be incredible. Um, but <laughs> 2.86 economy, yeah. but he doesn't fit into my bracket of what I want my spinner to be, which is someone really on the front for aggressive... And um, the king of Spain will always have a place in our hearts for 2005. And he could bat as well, but no, he's definitely he not. He
0: could. Team. And, and for me, my favourite Ashton Charles memory was playing Pakistan when the the light got worse and worse, and they were. This is very early. I must be 2001, 2002, and it was back when the batsmen were offered the lights. It wouldn't automatically go off if the light was bad, and Pakistan were playing for the draw, and they had delayed and delayed and the overrate was so slow and it got darker and darker and darker. And Ashley Giles, I can't I I, think Graham Thorpe was batting with him. Yeah it was. They uh, yeah they they basically just refused to take the light and just kept batting. And it became so dark the fielders couldn't see where the ball was going. (laughs) And and England just about got over the line and won the test match. And it was it was a real it was a great win. It was a great win for England anyway, but it felt like a real win for for fair play and a slight like serve you right for basically cheating which is what Pakistan were doing so I always remember him very fondly for that obviously winning, winning runs at Trent Bridge in the Ashes yeah yeah and a good bowler and of course the King of Spain nickname that whole mucking up all the memorabilia for his testimonial year so instead of the King of Spain the King of Spain that's just a great little little anecdote and I think it adds to him as like an important figure in England's 2000s cricket and sort of yeah and it's thing. important to mention him and today, of course, yeah. I mean, his coaching has been really, really good. And he may go on to play, play a huge, have a huge influence in this cricket going forward. But he's not going to be our spinner.
1: Yeah, fair enough. So can I uh, so we'll take it to the final final name, uh, the final serious contender, Ian Blackwell. So uh, Ian, Bla- no, <laughs> <laughs> Ian Blackwell, I was really dismayed to see. Only played the one game and he didn't get a wicket. So he doesn't have an average, which really oh, made me sad. That's um, uh, tough. And I'm not sure. No, Sean O'Dowell, he, he got eight wickets. And I think he took part in quite a famous test win, actually, in India, didn't he? Um, he did, yeah. Under Flintoff, when they were playing the infamous fingers they played, Ring of Fire in the dressing room under, by Johnny Cash. And they all just came out absolutely pumped and, and um, rolled, rolled India over in the final session. Um, and I think Sean O'Dowell got a in that as well, yeah. Yeah, so he had his moment. But no, and the final semi-series contender is Matthew Jack Leach, Specsavers ambassador. Pretty solid bowler. Hasn't lit it up yet. But again, maybe remembering him more for his heroics in a really wonderful, memorable game, best game of all time maybe, Stokes Headingley, with him, you know, holding up his end, cleaning his glasses. I mean, it was wonderful, wasn't it? It was,
2: yeah. I, I would actually say that, you know, you say Leach hasn't, hasn't torn it up, and which is fair enough. I think he's only played 10 games or 15 games, something like that. But he's got a bowling average of 29. Uh, which is obviously up there with Graham Swatton. So it's below 30, which I think he's the only other person on our list so far. And to his credit, I think he's only played in one series, which is particularly helpful for Spinner. I think he went to Sri Lanka a couple of years ago, and that was obviously yeah. very conducive to taking wickets for the Spinner's Moeen and Rashid as well. But he, I think his other games have all been in England or New Zealand. So he's done a decent job. He's battled through persistent illnesses He seems to be, he's like absolutely toiled away on the county circuit for years without getting any reward.
1: His county Um, average is incredible 25.77, 290 wickets.
2: I think the fact that he's had a relatively stop start start to his England career and he's still doing quite a good job, averaging 29, averaging 18 with the bat, partially thanks to that knock against Ireland. I think that if he could get a run in the team, for you know a couple of years. I think he could be a seriously good player.
0: I completely agree. I I really like him both as a man and as a player. I think he's got such a great attitude to his cricket, really wants to work hard and has shown great perseverance, as he said. So he's keep taking county wickets until he got selected. And then when he has played, he's played with a smile on his face. He's bowled pretty well as we've talked about. And those two innings, both the Ireland one, which was fantastic, he was man of the match in that game in the end. That innings was crucial because England very nearly had a lot of egg on their face. And then, um, obviously, that, that one not out against uh, against Australia at Headingley. And I think, yeah, I, I'm a huge Jack Leach fan. I do hope England really run with him. I'd be interesting to see if they go with him or Bess, given Bess is younger and does is showing good potential. But it'd be really, I do hope they give him a good go over the next three, four, five years, because I think he can be really, really successful. We're yeah, a no, big, big fan of Leach. So an, an honourable mention, but I think Swan has to be our player.
2: Just going back to Leach there, I think that might be the first time that there's been a, a positive consensus for a player on this podcast. I can't help but notice that you guys have have rinsed the entire England setup from the last twenty years in some form or another. In some, you know, a lot of character assassination on this podcast, but Leach seems to be a universally likable man.
1: Well, you know, it's our podcast. We get to, we get to say <laughs> who we like, who we don't like, to all of our tens, hundreds of listeners. Uh, yeah, I, I mean.
0: I mean, this could all, if we do go on to have glittering broadcasting careers over the next 20 to 30 years, I think maybe things we've said on this podcast may come back to bite us. And even <laughs> the players I like, like Alastair Cook, are described as a yes man and as spineless. <laughs> I think he's wonderful. He's, he's my favourite England cricketer ever. <laughs> but I still managed to completely rip into him. Huge criticisms of literally every single player, isn't it? I mean,
1: <laughs> we've got to give a balance. <laughs> we're not a fans. We we're not just here to pick, you know, our best England 100 from the last 20 years. We, some players are going to fall by the wayside. And, like yeah, and, we've and, also, give, and we've got to give reasons why. Yeah.
2: <laughs> this was the period in that England got to number one in the world rankings. <laughs> and you've still found ways to keep people like Jonathan Trott out of the team. It's and
1: insane. I and I dismissed Ian Bell out of hand. He never even really yeah. got through the discussions because I just said <laughs> yeah. it doesn't make runs at important times. Even though forever. he won
0: a Snackers series on his own,
1: that's but... yeah. Uh, only one um, after anyway. this series though who hasn't done that
2: well when these guys don't agree to come on your podcast at least you've got an excuse don't you you're just too hard hitting for them they can go <laughs> on Greg James and Felix White
0: well there we have it we've selected our spinner then Graham Swan I believe we're all in consensus on that Ugh. I suppose it was really I'm surprised we managed to drag this episode out as long as we have no, no one else was going to get picked were they
1: can we all just agree that if we we're picking a second spinner it would be our deal
0: <laughs> no, it would probably be Monty. Sorry, mate. Oh, wow. uh, so, um, or even I. For me, if you're going want to want to spinning all rounder to replace, I don't know, Stokes or someone, then you'd go Moeen you go Moine because he can bat. Yeah, and can. would be a, and performs well as a second spinner. So actually, probably if you did, were going to go a second spinner, it would probably be Moeen So that's it then. Just a the seam attack to go. Graham Swan is definitely a bowler we know can take wickets. But who's going to be our our three seamers to to win this test match is take those 20 wickets time and time again and lead our all-time, well, 2000s onwards, England sides to to victory. Many thanks, Michael and Rob in particular for for joining us. Um, It's been great to have you on. And you have a lovely weekend and a good week.
1: Cheers, gents. Cheers, guys.